Do you ever wake up and find your thoughts are already spinning in a very unpleasant way? Then you go straight from your intrusive thoughts to social media, making you further feel like shit. Then you check your email. Things are already going wrong at work. And the whole rest of the day, you find yourself just kind of trapped in an anxiety spiral. Well, the past couple days, that's how life has been for me. So today, my boyfriend Timmy and I are here to talk about anxiety, how to get through it and out of the spiral, and a lot more. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim your right to creativity, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love, trust, and know yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. As I mentioned, today I'm joined by my amazing boyfriend, an actor, writer, director, teacher extraordinaire, Timothy Michael Blewett, and we're going to be talking about anxiety and how to move through it, how to tell if you're being too cautious with your creativity, and what to do when you realize you're reaching the end of an era in your creative life and you have to take a new tactic to get to the next level. Timmy, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Great to have you. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> I love having you. But before we get into it, thank you to everybody who voted. Unleash won a Signal Award, which is a huge deal. I was nominated in the same category as the BBC, Conan O'Brien, the Podglomerate. I was the only indie podcast in there. So if you voted, thank you so much. No matter what, thank you for your support. And remember, if you do like the show, feel free to give it a rating, a review, tell a friend about it. Podcasts are really spread person to person. And post about it on your social media. Tag Timmy and I, and we might just repost. I definitely will. He's a maybe because sometimes he doesn't pay as much attention. Sometimes anxiety gets the better of me, (laughs) which is true. Sometimes I overthink posting and the the social etiquette Mm. of everything. What is the social etiquette for you? Like, What part are you overthinking when it comes to that? Honestly, I think for me, posts are precious because I don't do it often enough. So there's something in the back of my mind because I tend to be kind of a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I've been working on that for years, so much so that now I call myself a precisionist and not a perfectionist. But there's a part of me that thinks like if it's not perfect, I shouldn't put it out there because then it will be critiqued. Maybe people won't like it. I get Mm. too in my head. That sort of a thing. So it's nothing personal when I don't repost or or anything. It's a me thing. It's good that you can acknowledge that. You know, it's yeah. also social media. It's not that big of a deal. But sometimes it is a really good and easy way to show you support someone. Yeah. So that's when it's like, just do it. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. I, sh- I should be a lot better about that. I don't know why I have that in my head of just like, ah, like people are going to see that I'm posting this or putting calling attention to this. Yeah. No idea. That's interesting. And I definitely, we're going to get into anxiety in a second. But before we do, I just want to ask you, what's the difference between a perfectionist and a precisionist in your head? In my mind, I think that a perfectionist, that to me has more of a negative connotation. Like this has to be done a certain way and it has to be done at a certain time. And it has to, like every nook and cranny of whatever you're you're doing has to be carefully scrutinized and a precisionist on the other hand is measuring twice cutting once being like okay let's see i got this i got this this looks good this looks good okay execute go go for it let's 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 bring it out in let's bring it to fruition but let's be really careful about it or not precious but let's be really what's the word i'm looking for Mm. precise 
<laughs> precise. I think I know what you mean. Intentional. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a much better word. Let's yeah. be really intentional about it. But the goal is not to obsess over it. The goal is to be intentional, get it to a place to where you feel confident and comfortable and good, and then put it forward. When you are a precisionist, how do you know when something's done? I don't really know, but I think if I feel good about it, so even, let's say, even an outfit that I'm wearing out for the evening, like if I'm feeling really good in my skin, I'm like, okay, this, I'm, I've been intentional, I've been precise, I'm going with it, I feel good. If it's a poem that I'm writing, I get it, I, I work it, rework it, rework it to the moment where I'm like, this feels good, let me put it out there. I might come back to that poem a year later, but when when I get it to a place where I feel good about it being precise enough and intentional enough, then I think it's ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Work in progress. <laughs> like, how has it helped you mentally, though? Like, because, like, ultimately, you, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you're still a perfectionist. <laughs> So, like, obviously calling yourself a precisionist has helped you mentally, but do you think it's enabling your perfectionistic qualities at all to call yourself that and rebrand it as that? Um, I don't think so, actually, because I, I think that changing the language does help me compartmentalize mm. the difference between perfectionism and precisionism. Because even just that small shift of a difference in word, I'm able to look at myself and be like, am I... Is this too perfect? Am I being a perfectionist? And I can call myself into question and say, yes, I am. Let's just be precise and move on. And if I'm putting myself forward or talking about my work, I can tell people, like, I was really precise and really intentional about this. Yeah. Because in in the back of my mind, I know that I will never reach perfection, nor will any human being. Got it. So I think what I'm understanding from you now is that being a precisionist to you is more about like internally feeling like you did everything you could and left it on the table. Whereas at least in my mind, a perfectionist is more like, I have to do everything right because if I don't do everything right, I'm not enough and everything's not okay and people will judge me. Whereas precisionist is like, I did everything within my artistic power and ability to make this as good as I can. And now I leave it out into the world to do what they will with it. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. Okay. And that a lot of that stems from my work in the theater, I think, because at a certain point in time, like that show will open to an audience, like it will be performed and rehearsal will be done. So if if I am in every rehearsal leading up to opening night, so intentional and and making precise, bold choices, I can feel good about my performance whether or not a critic comes in and slams it or an audience comes in and is like, we didn't care for that. We didn't understand it. At least I know in, in my heart, I was precise about it. I was intentional. I was good, feeling good about it. You did everything you could. Did everything I could. Yeah. I like that. And I do think it has a lot to do with anxiety that at least perfectionism has a lot to do with anxiety and, and getting in your head and thinking, oh my God, what will people think? And intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good segue. I think it's a great segue. I think it's a great segue. <laughs> Very precise segue. But, but you and I have both been feeling kind of anxious the past couple days. I've been on fire all year. I don't know what it was. Like when we got back to L.A., I felt like I hit the ground running. I felt so happy. I was so happy I was scared. Mm-hmm. Even on Friday or like Saturday morning when we talked, I was like, I'm so happy. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Kind of like what Julia Cameron was talking about in that episode. Like, I feel joyful, so joyful I'm scared Mm -hmm. what happens. 
but then Saturday rolled around and I don't know, this anxiety started creeping in and I've been feeling it all day today, which is, oh wait, no, yesterday was Sunday. Today is Monday, Martin Luther King Day. And you have been too, right? I have been, yeah. And it and strangely, it came out of nowhere around the exact same time for me. So yeah. this whole past week or you know, last from last Monday to this Monday, um, or this weekend, I same thing was waking up every morning, was journaling every morning, was like greeting the sunrise, something that I've wanted to do for a long time of like being grateful for the sun coming up and writing about it and making coffee out of my little Sicilian coffee maker, feeling great. And then this weekend out of nowhere, just, I don't know, I just really started getting in my head and feeling less than and anxious. And I can't quite put my finger on why, but it it's there. And then I guess the awareness around it is the most important thing. One of the most important things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the same for me. Yesterday, I really couldn't tell why I was feeling that way. Today, somebody close to me is going through something. And I think I was like picking up on that energy. I woke up like thinking about all these tasks I needed to complete and feeling like I was behind on them. There was a lot of that kind of stuff going on, but it was just like spinning. And I will say I'm feeling a lot better now. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. I drank some kava tea, which I'll we'll get into, but we have some great tips for what to do when you're feeling anxiety and how to healthily move through it and past it. But I was curious to hear what you think on this, because Timmy and I are doing this, doing a new way of eating and uh, drinking right now. Um, we're doing dry January, mm-hmm. which has been amazing. And then we're also doing this thing where we don't eat bread, pasta, pizza, cookies, or cake. And there's another thing I'm trying to do where I think during the pandemic, I got into a phase where every single time I thought about eating anything, I was like, treat yourself. The world's ending. (laughs) (laughs) And that was great and fun and necessary for a time because truly like food was one of the only things that we had to get through. And, but I got a little bit too relaxed on It would be like if every time you had free time, always choosing to do the thing that is maybe least healthy for you. So maybe if like every time you had free time, instead of hanging out with your friends, you went on social media. Like every time you had free time, instead of like making a piece of art, you you went on social media. That's what I was doing. But with food, like every time there was an option for a meal, I was like, choose the most delicious thing, regardless of what it was, regardless of if I had had the most delicious thing three times in a row. And so the other thing I'm doing, long story short, is just trying to like only pick the treat yourself item like every fourth meal Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of every meal, like balance. I'm just trying to get balance because also you feel better when you have balance. Yeah. But long story short, because we're doing sort of a cleanse, do you feel like When you cleanse that stuff, like it's only natural something comes up. Like when you're doing some sort of like physical cleanse, sometimes emotional things can come up too. Do you think there's part of that that could be in there? I actually didn't think about that, but I I think it's 100% true because, you know, I was telling you that this past week and a half, I was really interested in looking into the gut microbiome and this whole like inner city of your gut that is that is working and functioning on a molecular level that we have no idea that it's even happening so it if that is the case and and it is it's scientifically proven that that's happening inside of each and every one of us then that means that there are certain 
microbia that are not receiving the the things that they were receiving before and the, and they're reacting to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost as if like I don't know a good analogy for this, but if if you're if you're deprived of something, all of a sudden you're gonna wonder like, where is it? Where is it? I I, I want this thing. I, I used to be receiving it. Sugar, excess of coffee, like soda. Let's say like if you're not receiving it, your body's gonna say, where is it? Yeah. So it's called withdrawal, baby. Yeah, withdrawal. So <laughs> so that I think absolutely like we're changing or being more conscious about what we're putting into our bodies now and our body is wondering like where's all this other stuff that we used to be breaking down like all the time to be able to function Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i'm looking at it more from the perspective of too like the emotions of it i think it's interesting that at first we both felt really happy like blissful almost and then I mean, I guess it's just also the the phases of life. I don't have to categorize it, but like, you know, it is interesting that we felt blissfully happy and then it went into anxiety and it almost feels like a test. Mm-hmm. Like, can you still find your peace even when things aren't going completely right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I think that you can. And I think that that's the whole point, like being... Mm-hmm more intentional bringing more balance if you if you really want it you can make it happen and so we're what 15 or 16 days into january Mm -hmm. so that we're 16 days into our into our change absolutely there's going to be some form of recoil like if you're stretching a rubber band all the way to 31 days there's going to be some pull give and take yeah i mean Sometimes anxiety does come on for no reason, you Mm -hmm. know, like there are just times when I don't know why, but for some reason today I'm anxious Mm -hmm. and I just have to move through it. And I think that's part of like dealing with anxiety. You just, you have to move through it and you have to have tactics to it. And I think in the past I would just let myself spin and spin and spin and then just go to bed and hope it wouldn't be back the next day. But now (laughs) just cross my fingers. (laughs) But now I have tactics that actually work and i thought we could go through a few of them yeah share with our beautiful creative listener and see if any of them could help them so the first thing is breathing which i know when people used to say like just breathe remember to breathe i'm like oh what a loser you're telling me to breathe everyone breathes this is the most natural normal thing on earth but people aren't talking about the breath that just keeps you alive they're talking about the breath that helps you remember you're alive. Mm-hmm. Intentional breath. Intentional breath. So Timmy introduced me to this video by Thich Nhat Hanh. He is a renowned monk, mm-hmm. teacher, leader, thought leader. He passed away, I think, last year or 2021. But he has so many incredible videos online. I highly recommend checking some of them out because they're simple yet difficult tools to use to remember you're a human being and like how to get through life with a little bit more ease. And one of the things he said, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but he said, breathe and remember you have a body, which sounds like, duh, I breathe and I'm in a body. So (laughs) here I am. But what that means to me and like how that started hitting me was anytime I'd start feeling anxious and spinning and be like, oh, my God, how am I going to be OK? I have to do all these things. I'm not I'm not good enough. But whatever the anxious thought is, I just slow down and I literally picture the breath coming in through my nose, 
going down through my chest, through my stomach, into my legs, through my knees and calves, and down through my feet into the earth. And then I also try to remember it to go in my arms because then I forget about my arms sometimes when I do that breath. <laughs> but literally, it just, I mean, listen how different my voice sounds now, even, even just doing it once. It just turns the dial down and you remember like, okay, nothing is that serious. Like everything is really serious and nothing is that serious. Everything's going to be okay. I have a body. I'm a person. I am here on this earth for a reason and I can breathe. I'm going to be okay. I'm okay. I'm here. Physically, too, it's something, it, it's one thing that you absolutely have control over. I think that when we get into an anxious state, we're so worried that we, we're, we can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't control what's happening at work. We can't, there's so many things that are out of our control. But what we do have control over is breathing, opening up our, our lungs, and, and intentionally putting breath into our body. And it's a moment of compassion for yourself too because just as we're talking about the microbes that are living within us and the cells and like all everything that actually helps our body to function even our brains giving oxygen to our brain this is a moment where it's like okay body let me give you what you need let me give all of you oxygen even my arms and fingers (laughs) that i forget about let me give breath and air to all of you Yeah. Let me not forget you, too, because I think that's one of my intentions for this year. I told my therapist this. I want to get into my body. And again, this is like deep, heady stuff, something I never really thought about before, like the past couple years. But how much I've like detached myself from my body or if I am in my body, I'm like basically living from the chest up or maybe sometimes even like the neck up. Like it's very hard for me to be grounded and to be with my feet on the earth, firmly planted. Like I forget my legs exist sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there's just such a power to stand on the ground, firmly planted and take up space, to feel the energy in your legs, to be fully integrated. There's so much power to that. And we forget, we forget to be with our bodies and that they have their own intelligence and they've held on to a lot for us over the years. And they still are, you know? Yeah, that's so important to remember. Like you're talking about, you know, can diet, like the absence of certain foods that you're putting in trigger emotional responses. How much more so will the body trigger emotional responses when it's in an anxious state and remembering things from childhood when when we didn't have control, perhaps. Like we mm-hmm. we didn't know that we could just breathe and be intentional about that or circumstances around us we we literally did not feel safe and so we're put into fight mode flight mode fawn mode freeze mode and here the body is storing all that trauma but we're giving ourselves the ability to release that by breathing yeah and another thing you can do to reconnect to your body is just a simple body scan so literally going from the top of your head to the tips of your toes and just Seeing, I'm constantly clenching my jaw. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) You might have just heard it crack in the mic. Um, But like just remembering, like, okay, you're safe. You can release your jaw. You can, you can be here. You don't, you don't need to clench up. You don't need to have it all figured out. I think a lot of my anxiety comes from feeling like 
I should have everything figured out and what's wrong with me that I don't. Like even when I'm on the podcast and I don't know, quote unquote, the next thing to say, I start like clenching up about that and no longer having fun with it. Mm -hmm. I notice that like even even if I'm recording with you, which we talk all day, every day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I got to have the right next thing to say. It's like, no, just release your jaw. You're fine. You're safe, baby. Yeah, I got (laughs) you. We're a team. Yeah, exactly. But you're a team with your body and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully with your lover. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But a body scan really helps. I think another thing that really helps that we did today that was so crucial is going on a walk. Yeah. Physically getting that energy out. Because, again, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of anxiety is pent up, emotionally charged energy that is being stored within the body that has Mm -hmm. no way of releasing so it releases through the mind and it releases in thoughts. And then it's it's just a sporadic culmination of thoughts that are bouncing off of each other. And they're often not good thoughts. But walking or some sort of physical activity yeah. will release a lot of that stored energy and allow that mind to calm down. And if you're coupling that with intentional breathing, like it can just work wonders, I think. Totally. Another one that's in that same realm is stretching because the body, again, I'm doing something which we talked about on my episode with Lizzie Weber, who's an amazing songwriter. You should go back and check out that episode. But I'm doing something called myofascial release right now. And it literally works on the trauma you have stored in your body through really intense massage. And yeah, that's a very intense form of it. But you can do kind of similar things just with stretching, with rolling on a tennis ball, with rolling on a foam roller, like that releases parts of the body that have been storing pain for you or stress or anxiety for you. I think letting out sound and movement at the same time is huge. That's something I do in therapy. And so now anytime I'm feeling something, I'm, I don't do enough of letting out the sound and the movement at the same time, but honestly, like taking a pillow and like punching it while you like go like, Oh, can feel really good. Literally hitting a pillow on a couch or a bed can feel really good while you make a sound or even if you just do that. I like groan all the time now. Like I'm probably a pain to be around because I'm just constantly like a sound machine. I'm always like, hey, baby, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm fine. What's going on? Is everything okay? (laughs) I'm just sitting on the computer. I'll be like, oh. You okay, baby? Everything okay? But honestly, starting to do that, like letting out these like primal screams that I've been pressing down in myself for 33 years has been extremely helpful. And even when you're in traffic, if you're feeling annoyed, let yourself scream. That's think about this. If you don't scream, that scream's still inside of you. Where does it go into your body? Yeah. And then it gets stored there. Mm-hmm. The, I, it's interesting. The dog that I have at home can. OK, explain that better. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not my dog. He's my roommate's dog. <laughs> the dog that I have at home. <laughs> His name is Mikey and he's a German Shepherd and he's two years old. And he's a diva, but he teaches me sometimes. There's, okay. there's a lot that I can learn. But one thing that I noticed that he does, because he, he also has stress that is stored up in his body just from ambient noise that he's probably not used to. Maybe if he's getting a little anxious to like go out on walks, there's tension and anxiety i think stored in his body and you've seen dogs do this all the time where they like shake themselves yes the shakes they're they're literally shaking off stress and that that comes from like we can see that directly from the animal kingdom of like we're 
meant to be doing that some some form of shaking some form of like you you've seen them yawn and stretch their jaws and stuff he'll make that noise (laughs) and that's that's all like releasing stress and then he resets himself and is like i'm a dog yeah i'm I'm back that's a classic thing in somatic healing which is like healing trauma through the body healing Mm -hmm. trauma in the body they have you like shake you can like literally just like put your legs up in the air and start shaking them or you can stretch to the point where your arms start shaking like that's a great way to release anxiety and stress yeah and i i should mention too because this happens to me all the time and maybe it happens to you too when i am releasing that stress there are often a lot of negative memories that come up Mm -hmm. or moments of pain that come up and I was thinking about this just the other day that like it's okay that those are coming up and it's it's actually good for you, but then it's really important to take it a step further and be the mature adult in that situation and look at that moment of pain and be compassionate with yourself and, and try try to imagine yourself as the loving parent that is there for you, that should have been there for you in that moment. Well, that segues great into my next anxiety release slash relief tip, because one of them is putting your hand on your heart and your stomach and breathing and then like talking to yourself the way you would a small child, hopefully picturing your younger self. So saying like, it's okay, you're safe. I love you. Everything's going to be all right. You can trust me. I'm here for you. You're okay. You're good. Yes. I've I've heard that that really works. I so I can say like I never had that really modeled for me when I was a kid. And it's really difficult for me to tap into that. But I think if you can do that, mm-hmm. it it works. Yeah, it's reparenting yourself. Yeah, yeah. As anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, I had amazing parents. Still have amazing parents. Were they calm? No. <laughs> <laughs> And so something that I've done as I've gotten older is figuring out how to soothe myself in a way that isn't chaotic. Because there was a lot of soothing that was attempted, but it was very chaotic soothing. It was like, you're going to be okay. Everything will be fine. Oh, no, honey, are you all right? You know, it was very much anxiety. I was already in a kind of an anxious, traumatized situation. And then more anxiety was put onto it from a loving place, right? It was just our parents weren't blessed with the tools we have now. Yeah. Like we have so many blessings and that we're in a generation where these things are available, are talked about and are getting more and more normalized. Mm -hmm. So that said, like I, I totally understand where my parents were coming from, have compassion for it. And I'm so grateful for who they were and are as parents. But that said, It wasn't always the most calming. So now when I'm upset, I can sometimes start to soothe myself in a way that feels familiar versus that's calming and actually soothing to my nervous system. So, yeah, that's just a thing to keep in mind. Give yourself what you need, not what you know necessarily. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking about this now that like you you can literally see in a child that nervous energy of like everything's okay. Either you'll see them sit and internalize that energy and then you'll then they're literally storing that trauma in their body mm-hmm. or you'll see them start to cry and scream and they're they're it's almost as if they're releasing that tension and energy in the moment mm-hmm. and hopefully that won't become a a pain point because they're they're there releasing the tension and energy as opposed to just receiving it and storing it yeah. for a later date years later 
Yeah. I th- I think a lot of people end up freezing in that situation mm-hmm. and internalizing it, mm-hmm. you know, or like they end up comforting the parent because yeah. the parent's upset now. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't want to get too deep into that. <laughs> <It's> very deep. <laughs> so more like tactical things. This kava tea I was talking about, it's by it's a yogi tea. It is so good. It actually really calmed me down and like just gave me some peace tonight. Last yesterday when we drank it, it didn't help me at all. It helped me yesterday. Okay, good. Yeah. So one one day, one the other day. <laughs> Usually though, when I drink it, it does help me. And so obviously, since we're not drinking, we're trying to find other ways that are healthy to like relax. A lot of times I think it's easy if you want to have a glass of wine to relax. It's just like a simple thing you can do. But it's not really like effective long term. And then you deal with anxiety the next day because, you know, everyone knows alcohol upticks anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So learning like new tactics or learning new even rituals you can do that help you kind of calm down, even if it's just like a, a cup of peppermint tea, I think is really important, especially if you're dry or damp or completely sober. <laughs> and then another thing, now I'm not a doctor, full disclaimer, you should check with your doctor before you take any sort of supplement. But something I've been taking that I've worked with my incredible doctor on, she's a MD, but she does a lot of naturopathic stuff as well, is lavender pills. They're called Lavella. Check with your doctor again, but you can get them on Amazon. And these help me tremendously. Like this is kind of like almost like what you would take If you're really, really anxious or even like you feel like you're about to have an anxiety attack, these really help. I read the reviews on Amazon. One person wrote that, and I'm not paid by them, by the way. I just really have been helped by them. One person wrote that they thought that they were better than Xanax. I have never taken Xanax, so I don't know, but I find them highly effective. And and there was a time when I was about to have an anxiety attack and I took the Lavella and it just really calmed me down. So... Look into that, discuss it with your doctor, but I find that to be really helpful too. Yeah, don't bite the pill. Swallow it. The first time I took one, I accidentally bit into it. I thought it was something that you were supposed to chew. And my, but my mouth has never been as relaxed as in that moment. Are you serious? Yeah, I just, it was like, I mean, it was like my mouth was in heaven. There was no tension. But you also had lavender mouth for like a full day. I tasted like a field of flowers. So the thing about these, I should say, I called them just lavender pills and didn't further explain. They're therapeutic grade lavender oil. So it is safe to ingest. It's just like lavender oil that's in a pill kind of the same way like a fish oil pill would be. But unfortunately, Timmy bit down on his and had (laughs) lavender oil in his mouth for like a full day. (laughs) We live and we learn. We live and learn and then get loves. Uh, another thing that can help is lighting a candle. So light a candle, hold a crystal. Like I really like holding rose quartz. It just makes me feel calm and it just gives you like a touchstone. Like anything that's been in the earth that long can't be bad is what I think. Um, lighting incense, taking a bath. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Bath is my first line of defense when anything is going wrong in my life. I'm like, get in the bath. It yeah. will be better if you get in the bath. Yeah, especially if you get in the bath, light a candle and incense. Bam. Then, woof. And take a lavella. And take a lavella. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. There's something about that being immersed in water that has a very cleansing effect. You know, people say all the time, like, taking showers really relieves mm. stress. There's something about being immersed in water that yeah. relieves stress, makes you feel... Like you're you're literally returning to the the natal state. Yeah. Like when you're inside the womb. 
And my therapist, who she's a licensed psychotherapist, but it, trend with me, I guess. I like people who are East meets West, basically. But she's a licensed psychotherapist, and she also does a lot of energy healing, and she does, oh, what's it called? She does something called radical aliveness, which basically is a somatic type of healing. But one thing she said energetically is when you take a shower, it literally like can wipe the bad energy off you. So if you're ever feeling really anxious or really upset, if you get in the shower... It can wipe the energy off of you. So it depends the mood I'm in. Like if I'm really spiraling, I need I need full submersion. <laughs> I need to go into the bath. But if I, it's if it's like a light spiral, I can go into the shower. Usually what I'll do is take a bath and then take like a one minute shower after and just like, especially because I like bubbles. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but I'll take a one minute shower after. And, but I do think that helps. Yeah. Two thumbs up. And then the final thing on my list is, oh, no, there's a couple more things. Talk to somebody you trust and just ask them to listen. This is something I'm trying to get over. When I was younger, I felt like every time I talked to someone when they were telling me things, I had to fix their problem for them. And so something I'm practicing within myself is like I'm trying and I'm not perfect at it or even close. I'm not even a precisionist. (laughs) But when somebody is telling me their problem, I try to listen and like only offer advice if they ask for it or if I say like, do you want my advice? And they say yes. And in turn, like I think when you're going through an anxious state, the best thing is just having somebody to just be there and listen to you. Yeah. Sometimes just being there for someone, just having another presence, another person to confide in. Or just to listen yeah, can work wonders. You were that for me earlier today when we went on our walk. Yeah. You listened to me and it's not like we fixed anything, but you just listened to what I was going through and it felt better. I don't, how did you get so good at just listening and not giving advice? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, babe. (laughs) I have no idea. It's definitely earned. Like I, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot in my life that I've, you know, mistakes I've made and, but I don't know, but I enjoy, I actually enjoy listening. Why do you like it so much? I'm not sure. (laughs) I I really don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with the the kind of work that I'm drawn to do. Like I, I love creating characters and creating stories and writing poems and writing, just being in, wonderful environments and meeting wonderful interesting people and Mm. that like in order to do that you have to be open to do that you have to receive and just listen just be silent and listen well you're very good at it thank you the final thing if there's something a loved one can actually do for you to help ask them or on the other hand, if like you see somebody, especially as someone who has anxiety, if you see somebody experiencing anxiety and spiraling and you know there's something you can do to help, offer it. Mm-hmm. So earlier today, I was like, oh, God, I have to record my podcast and like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And Timmy just looked at me. He's like, do you want me to do it with you? I was really hoping you would because I really wanted to record with you. But I, I don't know why. I just didn't want to ask you for some reason. Like, I didn't want to like burden you or whatever mm-hmm. even though it's a word winning show your lucky day <laughs> <laughs> the honor is mine i am honored no it's both of our honors your honor <laughs> <laughs> your honor is our honor your honor is our honor but no i just was so grateful and i'm so grateful to have a partner that just has my back it feels so good i've never had this yeah we we're, we're very in sync and we mm-hmm. we have been i feel like 
I don't know, the past few months, like we're we're just getting each other more and more and we're in flow. Yeah. We're in like the state of flow together and it's beautiful. Can we talk about that? Because I know it's not on the topic list, yeah. but, but to follow the flow of the conversation, like what do you think, like our relationship has just been so beautiful lately. Like I don't really have words. Like I just can't believe it. <laughs> It's always been really beautiful. But like, you know, first year of relationship, you're working through things. You're learning who the other person is. Like, there are ups and downs, you know. There are mm. moments where you're like, oh, I don't really get that. We've just been like so on the same page and so in sync and so just having so much fun and so many beautiful conversations. Like, why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I think it it has something to do with we knew when we first started dating that we had some of the same dreams and yeah. some of the same goals. And even where we come from geographically in the world, like the Midwest of the United States, like that, that's a very particular place with a very particular set of values mm -hmm. and life circumstances. I mean, just like growing up with a Midwest winter. Yeah. That'll change you. Yep. And, and growing up Catholic. And growing up Catholic. That'll change you. <laughs> And so I I think even though we both came from very different life points or life circumstances, mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're an only child. I'm one of seven kids. Yep. Um, like that sort of a thing. Our goals and our dreams and our desires and our character and our integrity is is all very similar. And I think getting to know you over the past year, like in, in depth, like in a in a very healthy in-depth authentic loving. way yeah because when two people are being authentic in a relationship okay so here's the phases of the relationship of a good relationship as far as i can tell first few months you are high on love drugs you are useless <laughs> to society all you can do is well you know and this be in love and eat great food and like hopefully do your job and that's a question mark. I, I have no idea what I did during those few months. Like I was just a walking love zombie. <laughs> then the next few months, oh my God, wait, what? You're a person? How dare you? And you're both fighting for your individual identities. And you're also trying to figure out what the relationship is. And like, oh, is it okay to have conflict once in a while? How do we want to resolve that? How is it different than what we've seen modeled for us? How is it different than what we've had in past relationships? There's a lot of negotiating that happens in phase two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then there's like phase three where things, the dust starts to kind of settle. You're like coming back to where you were in the beginning, but in a healthy way. There's a few more challenges, but you know, you're going to get through them. And then there's phase four, which is what we're in right now, <laughs> where all that hard work pays off. And listen, there's going to be a million more phases, mm -hmm. but all that hard work pays off. You're like in that same like beautiful love bubble that you were in the beginning, but you have your logic center in your brain back. So you are conducting business in a way that's healthy and makes sense. And you also, you know each other. So you're as in love as you were in the beginning, if not more, but you're actually completely authentic because neither of you is trying to prove neither of you is trying to hide you know each other love see and deeply accept one another and it's like a true unconditional love it's not a trying to change it's like I see you who you are now I know what's challenging for you what's challenging for me what's challenging for us and I accept you and me and all we are together mm-hmm 
Do you think that's true? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like also too, just communication, like keeping an yeah. open line of communication and asking genuinely, can you help me out with this? Can you, can you, would you mind doing this? Like a genuine desire and a genuine need and presenting that to your partner. Cause that's ultimately like why most of us are doing this. We, there, there's someone that we think can help make our lives better Mm -hmm. us as individuals but then together we can do amazing things yeah and so like genuinely asking and being there for each other back and forth Mm, baby (laughs) (laughs) i love you i love you so much so so much i can't believe it like hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's amazing like don't you ever just feel like we beat the odds? Yeah, it is pretty incredible. <laughs> we did it. This thing that was so scary for so many years, for me at least. Oh my God, for me. I just was basically like, oh, whatever. I'll just accept what I have because it's like love is a lie. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, I love my past partners, but like, it was nothing like this. <laughs> nothing like this. Flossie, are you excited for love? Not one bit. (laughs) I literally wrote a song called Love is Hard. (laughs) Love is Hard. (laughs) By the way, Timmy was doing an impression of Flossie Dickey, who just, if you don't know who it is, Google it. She was a 110-year-old woman who they interviewed for the local news, and she was just, she didn't have any Fs to give. She had a pocket full of Fs, wasn't going to give any of them away to that local newscaster, and all she wanted to do was drink whiskey. God bless her. Flossie Dickey, a legend. I think she passed away since then, but we we raise our non-alcoholic cup to you. She lives on in our memories. We have two more topics that we want to get to. Let's see if we can. Yeah. (laughs) Something that recently has come up for me that was brought to my attention by someone who has been a loyal follower of mine since the After Buzz days. Um, His name on... I, I only... By the way, this follower... Talk about unleashing your inner creative. He's constantly changing his handle wherever he goes. So it's like hard for me to follow him. But I can tell it's him because of the way he writes. And like they're always somewhat the same. So anyway, his handle is at Namo on TikTok. And he commented on one of my music videos on TikTok and said, I wonder if you might have been too cautious about your music career. Regular covers with an original sprinkled in, a dedicated TikTok and YouTube would help you grow your audience with a heart. And he said, I still think of that Detroit song you posted years ago, but never released. So first of all, before I dive into this comment, I am trying to grow my TikTok. I just reread my morning pages from earlier in January. I'm trying to get to a thousand followers by the end of January. So if you don't follow me on TikTok, will you please go do that? I'm at Lauren Lagrasso, also at Unleash Your Inner Creative, but definitely follow my personal page. But when I read this, I thought, you know what? He's absolutely right. And it's something I've thought about before. I think it's something you and I have talked about, but I really am. I'm not a precisionist with my music. I'm a perfectionist with my music because I feel like I have to have every single thing perfectly. I've talked about it before on the podcast, but like I don't listen to my music or watch my music videos with loving ears or eyes. I'm like thinking about like, okay, what are all the meanest, worst things that somebody could say about this? And I have to make sure that all of that is taken care of before I post it so that it's perfect. So that sucks the joy right out of it. Yeah. And no wonder I don't feel like posting videos or releasing songs every month 
when I'm thinking of it that way. Yeah, it's not healthy. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> That's all he wrote. <laughs> Breathe. Come back to your body. No, totally. I just think, you know, something else that I wrote down in my journal that I noticed was I was writing all these things that I wanted to do. And then there was one part that was like, I need to prioritize what I want to do more in my life. In that instance, there's such a bad connotation on I need. It's very shaming. It's like, you need to do this. And if you don't do this, you're bad. And I feel like that's the idea I have in my head a lot when I think of music. Instead of unleashing my inner creative, I'm thinking, oh, I have to do it and I have to do it this way. And if I don't do it exactly that way, then it's not good. Instead of just thinking about like, I love singing. I've loved singing since I was one. Since I could talk, basically, I've loved singing. There's a video that I didn't realize I was annoying to him by showing him a million times at the beginning of our relationship. Whoopsies, figured that out. But basically, it's this adorable video he never should have been annoyed of, of me, <laughs> of me as like a one-year-old in the bathtub singing will you mary had a little lamb was that it is that that's the one where you're at the karaoke machine that's a karaoke machine what was this? twinkle twinkle little star yeah twinkle that, twinkle yeah. little star in the bathtub and i was like one and a half and i was so cute and i, I was just loving every minute like what about her what about her yeah because that's the that's the whole point of it right like yeah the, the authentic the authenticity of our inner soul like when mm -hmm. you're a child like that you're the most authentic you, you've ever been in your life. There's there's just you, like you and your beautiful, perfect soul. The calling of an artist is to try and achieve that moment and then also hold up a mirror for the audience to see themselves and to remember that moment for themselves as well. So that, I mean, that's the point, you know, the, the point is not to look and think of negative comments that people are going to say or how could someone attack me viciously. The point is to achieve that authenticity of the young infant soul and to show others remember yeah. you do you remember yourself do you remember your soul yeah it's just amazing because we were talking about the word precious right like don't mm. be too precious about it so don't be precious like that but i do think that unleashing your inner creative is remembering your own preciousness mm -hmm. like remembering when you are most precious like you're a little baby and doing something or a little kid or a middle schooler and doing something that just lit you up. And then we add all these layers and expectations and for lack of a better word, bullshit on it. <laughs> but really it's supposed to be about that joy. And so if you're in a place where you're thinking in that perfectionistic way where you're like, Oh my God, what will I think if it's not, absolutely 100% correct, then I can't do it. Of course you don't want to do it. We have to get back to that younger self. And so I really thank Benjanamo <laughs> for bringing that up to me. It's something that you and I had talked about. Uh, I'm like, I'm just going to start releasing music, but then I never do it. And I think it's because even though I know that I want to release music more often, I have to come to it the right way. I can't come to it from, I need to do this because if I don't do it, I'm bad. I have to come to it from, remember when I was one and a half and I sang a song in a bath and I showed the video to my boyfriend a lot of times and he never got sick of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to come back to like, remember when I was one and a half and I, I sang that song and I was so happy? Remember when I was 
two and a half and I got that karaoke machine. Remember when I was five and I got all of my friends to do the talent show and we sang, I just can't wait to be king. Remember when I was in sixth grade and I got cast as Adelaide. Remember when I was in high school and I did the talent show and it was like so much fun. I have to remember why I love this and all the good things I love about it. Not the ways it's disappointed or rejected me or the ways I think it might. I have to remember the love. So if you're being too careful with your career, maybe you, like me, have forgotten why you even loved it in the first place. And we just need to very carefully and tenderly call that younger self back to us and then start letting them sing. Start letting them paint. Start letting them write. Start letting them do whatever it was that lit them up through us now. Just the way we we talk to our younger self when we're anxious, we have to also let them out to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's if you if you hold on too tightly, you'll you'll crush it. But if you can if you can find that balance of the the right tender touch, it'll it'll stay with you. Like you'll you'll I don't know you'll tap into something that I don't I don't know what am I trying to say. I actually don't know. (laughs) I think what you're saying is like, basically, it is hard because you are driven and you are career oriented and you want, well, I'm talking about myself right now. Mm -hmm. I am driven and you too. I know the two of us. Okay. So maybe for you too listening, but like we are driven and we are career oriented and we do want big things. But also if we forget that little one, it's all just so stupid and so annoying and so like blah and you're not even going to want to do it anymore so you can still have the big goal but that can't really be what's driving you what's driving you is to bring that inner child joy yeah finding a way to tap into that it's important it's important (laughs) (laughs) okay our final topic Reaching different phases of your life and creative journey and figuring out when you need to change your tactic or your goal. This is something I think about a lot with my music career Mm -hmm. because I think there have been many times when like I've advanced and then plateaued and then advanced and then plateaued. I think I need to find a new tactic because all the ones I've tried so far haven't worked and that doesn't mean I'm not on the right path, but maybe it does literally mean posting more videos or maybe it means like, Really trying to just do it for joy. Like what would happen if for a year I released music, still did all the things I was doing, but like my main goal was joy. What could happen? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Because, and and th- I think this is important too. Like I was mentioning before we started this about the shift in perspective. And if if you're constantly going after one goal with one particular perspective, you maybe we'll only be able to achieve that goal one way. You shift your perspective, you might be able to achieve that goal in another way. Or if you're not able to achieve that goal with one perspective, the other perspective will help you achieve that goal. Can you give an example of what that could look like in real life? I feel like there are some famous examples of this. How about one in your life? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get Timmy to be more vulnerable on air. (laughs) The diet for example if i'm like i don't have any energy mm-hmm. in the morning and i and i want to be grateful for my morning and i don't know why i don't have any energy a simple a, a simple <laughs> shift a simple shift will do it 
Or Mr. Bluett. <laughs> a simple shift of like even just going to bed an hour earlier and sticking to that or not drinking alcohol for 30 days. Like that shift will bring in a different right. energy. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying now. So basically what you're saying is, like, if something's not working, literally just make a different choice. And yeah. something is going to shift for you. Yeah. That's something I'm I, I'm giving a lot of advice to somebody who I'm close to all the time. Like, just, you're unhappy. So just, just try making one different choice and see what happens. <laughs> just try one. But, you know, it's easy advice to give out. It's difficult to do because we get in a feedback loop, especially with things like our creative career. Because we're like... Well, it's just it's so hard even to put one foot in front of the other when you're working, especially when you're working alone on something. If I have to think about stopping what I'm doing, coming up with a new way of approaching it, then executing it, it's like almost too much. So I just end up keeping on doing the same thing I was doing, even though I know for sure it's not working Mm -hmm. because I don't have anyone to hold the weight with me. So I think part of it, too, could be at least having something that Julia Cameron calls a believing mirror, like someone like Timmy or someone like my friend Liz, who wrote the music for this show, who can help you sort through your ideas and at least figure out the new direction. Yeah. Even if they can't help you hold the burden, that they can at least hold the burden of co-creating the ideas with you. Yeah. And like, you know, we talk about this quite a lot in our, our own careers. Like we will always have and will always be able to come back to the way that we're doing things now. Yeah. The current perspective that we have or the current approach. use of tactics approach to go after it. But we'll never know what we can achieve or what else is out there if we don't shift and try a new approach. It would be so easy to come back to the same way that we're doing it now and we would have the same problems and we could continue our lives like that. But I I know you and I know myself and I personally am not content with living like that. I'm I'm constantly trying to better myself as best as I can. Yeah. I think that's the thing I always think about. I can't control how the world interprets me or the accolades the world gives me. Mm -hmm. All I can control is knowing I've put everything on the table I can. And I think the thing I feel with my music career that that I haven't done is that I think I've tried a lot of the same tactics, not been successful and been like, why isn't it working? (laughs) Like the same thing I'm telling to that friend of mine, like, you have to try something different to get a different result. Yeah. And so like, I guess here I am again, needing to take my own advice. And I do think I'm going to start that this year. I'm going to try something different and see what happens and see if I like it and see if it's effective. But most importantly, if I like it and it feels good, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like doing live shows in LA hasn't been working for me. Mm -hmm. I had a show at the end of the year That was like so beautiful. Like my friend Ashley, Johnny, who's been a guest on the show, Paul, who is one of our closest friends. Like they all came. Johnny's also one of our closest, one of my closest (laughs) friends for sure. (laughs) But like they all came out to the show and it was beautiful. But like it just didn't go well for me. And that's because I haven't been doing live shows like at all because live shows in L.A. are particularly hard. It's hard to get anyone to care enough to come out. And when they do, I don't know, it just, it hasn't felt good. So I'm like, I either need to change the type of live show I'm doing where I don't need to get people out to it. Because one thing that you may not know is when you do a live show as a singer songwriter in LA or most big cities or big venues, you have to get a certain draw, meaning a certain amount of people to the club in order for the club to want to book you again, in order for it to be considered a success. 
So I'm sick of having to hustle and like beg people to come out. I think there's a better way to like build my fan base in places where people are actually excited about live music where not everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. Like back home in Detroit, like in random towns throughout the country and then play places that I don't need to bring a draw to like, you know, local restaurants here and also focusing more on doing live streams. There is a cure to the problem. You just have to zoom out and figure out what is the problem why is it happening and what could potentially be a cure? But I think so often when we just get in a feedback loop, which I have, like, why isn't anyone coming out to my live shows? Now, there's probably a way to get people to the live shows here, too. But I just feel a little over it. So I'm going to take this different tactic for now. Yeah. And you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Little shift in perspective. And then for for everything that it's worth, you journal it over the next three months, six months, a year and say, oh, I tried this and I noticed these different things won't do that again or i love this i'm absolutely gonna add this into my yearly routine monthly routine whatever what was making you think of this you know changing your tactic and goal idea i think a lot of it personally it, it stems from this idea of um work and privilege in an artistic lifestyle so the, I I think it's it still persists, at least when I was like in Chicago and acting in storefront theater and everything. There was a camp of people that really believed in like, just do the work, just just work. Even if you're paid nothing or very little, you, ju you just work, you do the work. People are going to find you. People are going to do things. You're just doing the work. Then there was uh, another camp that was like, no, like you absolutely have to get paid for what you're doing like don't accept any jobs unless you're getting paid money comes first it's all about money and so i started thinking that like there are people that believed in just doing the work that are still in the storefront theater scene in chicago that when at least when i was there like i was kind of miserable because i was doing the work and not really able to like fulfill or nourish myself other than my artistic soul but mm -hmm. You can't survive on artistic nourishment. <laughs> no, but not I, equal to food. <laughs> but conversely, in L.A., there's such an emphasis on money that it, that to me also feels toxic when people put money above everything else. And it's like, oh, well, are you getting paid for it or how much are you getting paid or do, are you getting residuals? That to me makes me really sad. And so I personally want to look at I want to shift my perspective so that I can find that happy medium of mm -hmm. it's not all about money but it's also not all about working for nothing and like just grinding out your 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 physical body and your soul for nothing well, money is an energy exchange so if you're not getting compensated fairly and well for what you've been trained very well to do no matter what it is that is immoral and it's also spiritually incorrect because of the agreements we've made in the world. Now, if we bartered, it'd be very different. Mm -hmm. But because of the agreements we've made in the world that we live in, in this capitalistic society, it is like spiritually incorrect to require somebody who has a master's degree in their field of choice and also tons of experience to work for little or nothing. Mm -hmm. It's spiritually incorrect. Yeah. So, you know, that and but I still think that there are people in the artistic world that would say like, well, that's the price you pay for good art. I still am thinking about that. And I'm like, if I, okay, so I can believe that I can have that perspective and listen to those voices 
that have told and taught me that and live that life if I want to. Yeah. Or I can shift from that perspective and pursue something different. And no matter what, like if I, if I don't like that different perspective life that I'm going to shift to, mm-hmm. I can always come back to the other one. Yeah. And I want to say an addendum on what I just said. I think the only exceptions to that are if you and your friends are all doing something together and you've all agreed together that this is our work and whatever comes from it, we're going to share. If you're helping a friend and it's like a one day thing and you feel really passionate about them and this is how you're supporting them. If it's your personal project and you're working for free or paying to work because it's your personal project, that's very different. Mm -hmm. But when it's somebody who has the means to pay and is actively choosing not to because they can, that's when it's icky to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very true. Yes. Valid. 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 Well, we had a lot more to say, but we've already been talking for an hour. Wow. (laughs) Time flies. So thank you so much to my guest and co-host, Timmy. Timmy, tell the people where they can find you and what you're up to right now. You can find me on Instagram at the feisty rascal. Right now, I'm writing a proof of concept for a television show. And also about to be in discussions about a new short film that I'm going to be working on in the year 2023. More... Immediate than that, I am going to be teaching playwriting at Compton Early College High School in Compton, L.A., which I'm very excited about. I'm so excited for those yeah. kids. <laughs> and I'm excited for you. It's going to be so fun. Like, it's going to be fun. That's, yeah. It's such a cool thing you're teaching, too. These kids have stories that they want to tell, and they have voices that need to be heard. And I'm honored enough to be a guest teacher there that it can just help facilitate those voices and I don't know, be a listener and a sounding board and some words of advice that I've picked up over the years by being in the business and trying to get their stories told. Yeah, and be their advocate and creative ally. Mm -hmm. So yay, that's going to be so much fun. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for listening. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. You can follow her at Liz Full. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow Unleash on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Timmy at The Feisty Rascal so he can repost. Maybe. Um, (laughs) My wish for you this week is that if when you find yourself anxious, you reach for one of the tools that we discussed and that you're not too careful with your creative endeavor because your younger self just wants to feel joy. So let them. I love you. We love you. Oh, Timmy's going to say it with me. Here we go. One, two, three. We love love you you, and and we we believe believe in you. you. Talk with you next week.